Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Smart Life, a new podcast exploring the latest in smart home technology and IoT. My name's Jess Hadley. And I'm Thomas Joy. That's right, Jess, this brand new podcast is created in conjunction with the Smart Homes and Buildings Association's Young Leaders Forum and is produced by Beacon Agency. Each episode, we'll dive into how this tech affects our daily lives, as well as looking to provide some advice and guidance on the challenges of this new connected technology. We're also going to give you a little insight into the industry itself with special guests each episode to talk about all the latest developments. So without further ado, let's get started. The Smart Life Podcast, episode one. So we're thrilled this week to be joined by Jenny Parkinson, Retail Sales Manager at Lightwave, and John Bradford, National Sales Manager at Delta Door. So Jenny, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about Lightwave and uh, what Lightwave offer for your smart home customers. Oh, well, thanks firstly for, for having me, Tom. appreciate being here. Um, I'm delighted to be able to tell you a little bit about Lightwave. We're a British-built brand with some wonderful engineering behind us. Despite our 10 years experience, we're kind of a startup with a head start and still finding our feet in the market and uh, scaling up our opportunities. Our products are compatible across all three voice platforms. So we work with Google, Alexa and Apple HomeKit, the latter of which has given us wonderful opportunities to be launching a European range with them into 20 countries at the moment, which is really exciting. Um, what's different about our product is we work on a radio protocol frequency, which uh, basically transmits an this is a bit geeky, but a 868 <laughs> and a 433 frequency, so it can transmit over 650 meters uninterrupted. There's no latency when it's going through steel walls, brick walls. Um, and what we offer is a, a smart dimmer and a smart socket, which can integrate with any other products in your smart home through the app, through your Alexa, and uh, you can control limitless use cases from that. Um, at Delta Door, um, we make, let's say, product and solutions really for the installer. Uh, to offer to end users essentially and that covers many key smart home areas so the main uh, regions that we would operate in would be let's say heating, lighting, security uh, and then bringing in other aspects around that to to create really a, a complete smart home platform all from one application but in addition to that we do offer a lot of expertise for industrial partners as well so essentially using our smart home platform to bring someone who's maybe not so competent on the smart home into an ecosystem so that they can really benefit from the, uh, from the stability of having a, a good smart home partner. Uh, we too operate on RF as well. It seems to be the, the way forward for a lot of smart home. What is your most favorite thing about having a smart home? My home is becoming my friend, basically. My home's getting to know me. My home knows when I'm coming home. It knows how warm I want my house to be. It knows how I like my evening lights. It joins in my arguments with my partner, whether it <laughs> answers our questions, solves our queries, or gives us another platform to argue with each other on. It just feels like I finally am best friends with the thing that's the most expensive thing in my life. <laughs> Again, it, it's hard to work all day in smart home and then go home and continue that smart home journey, isn't it? Isn't it? But um, my favorite thing, I think, is the first thing I ever came across, and that was setting my Christmas tree up on it. I just oh, didn't yes. have to hug the bloody great thing anymore, you know. The plug socket's at the back, I can't get to it, stick my socket on there and I'm sorted. So mm. that was an absolute joy from the beginning. So. It's about the little things, actually. So a lot of the time you sort of see the big benefits that they kind of give you, but actually the ones that you appreciate the most. So, for example, 
my lights, the minute I get sort of 50 metres from my door, all turn on the downstairs. So especially if I'm coming in with loads of shopping bags, it's yeah. that I don't have to worry about turning everything on. I can just burst through the room. It's great. I think for me, it's, it's, a, it's building it as part of my routine. So now that I don't even notice that it's there. So in the morning, half past seven every morning, it'll wake me up. It'll turn my bedside light on. It'll read me the news, tell me how long it's going to take to get to work. And, you know, from then I can either take an extra 10, 15 minutes in bed, or, uh, which happens more days than I care to admit, or, or uh, you know, know that I have to get rushing and get started. But I've almost, you know, having only put that in a month ago, I now don't even think about it. And it's interesting as well that when people are talking about the smart home saying, well, why do I need it? It's almost, well, once you've found just the one thing that saves you 30 seconds... Like you say, that's the same. Ten minutes. I'm wow. Just, your smart <laughs> ten home. minutes extra. Yeah. Ten minutes extra sleep every morning. What can I say? So the smart home industry seems to be very much at the early adopter phase. Um, but you know, research has proved that once a person buys that single product, uh, they tend to be, as we are, I think, you know, yeah. passionate advocates. Um, and then go on to buy lots of additional products if that's more light bulbs or uh, more speakers in more rooms or like you say door locks and things like that I firstly absolutely agree with your point I think we've seen smart speakers tend to be that kind of gateway to everyone testing and trying it and um, certainly within our own products we find there's an average of nine devices per home but no one in their right mind buys nine plus first time round they might go and test a room or test part of the house first and then they start to become addicted to what, what they can add to it and build out from um, I have to agree, though, that maybe price is still one of the biggest barriers. I'm not going to say because of the actual price point, but because of the consumer perception. Mm. So we look at iPhones and we look at cars and we look at places where there's big technology and people will pay big bucks for that. So I think it's still just establishing that smart home market where actually people just need to expect to pay a little bit more. It isn't a £30 plug-in if you want to integrate your whole home and have the Jeeves Butler experience going on in your house. That doesn't come at a cheap price, you know. I think I think we, we need to go further, especially the sort of marketing and driving the consumer awareness and putting value to their use cases. Early adopters love the gimmicks. That's what I always mm-hmm. found. It's, everything was driven by gimmicks, but at the end of the day, that kind of only lasted so long. It, people like it, then they get rid of it, and they move on to something else. You, you don't really want that. You... We almost, from my point of view, need something that's, say, a little bit more meaningful in terms of the application, but also simple to use at the same time. And if we can strike that balance, then actually maybe there's some more uh, long-standing development that can be done with you know, more of the mass market, because the mass market, they're not going to care so much about gimmicks. Some people will be driven into that, of course, but uh, I do think just meaningful, simple solutions can get the right thing. So that's really interesting. We've obviously just come off the back of CES over in Las Vegas and every year it's the same thing. It's it's the gimmicks that make the headlines. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think there is an issue with perception, you know, from the mass market about what the smart home is when the headlines are, you know, Alexa-enabled toilets? You see, I think, especially with Apple these days, there's a question about how much they are... Um, innovating you know their products can still be good and they can still but people are sort of criticizing them for not being as innovative as they used to be do you think the smart home is sort of yet to find the balance between being innovative and actually being able to do and sell the basics well i guess the markets that in a way are, are still very traditional the retail has done a great job to just destroy that but ultimately if you're going to be able to expand into a smart home you do need a balance of so many industries i think where mm-hmm. You know, you have a situation where, okay, you get the plug and play type devices, that's great, but 
without an installer there to help you expand that you know they're the ones that really know an electrical uh, uh, properties uh, in and out so ultimately you have to rely on them you also have to rely on maybe service providers or, or many other sectors for the smart home really to become you know what it, what everyone dreams of they just want to get product fit it in simplicity is is underpinning i think all of this yeah, it, it's definitely a, uh, a group of products that rely so heavily on lots of different uh, aspects. So you, you've got networking being a big part of that. And, and that can be a point of failure that affects people's adoption of the product because something that is a network failure, they assume it's the latest smart home gadget they've brought to the home. And then this sort of guides us into another question. Is the moniker of smart home actually damaging to the industry because it's not describing what the product is. I mean, is today's smart light switch and smart heating the kettles and uh, hoovers of, of today, you know, in the future? Mm. Uh, it's possible. I mean, both of us sat here from Nightwave and Delta Door, we all sit on RF networks anyway. So a lot of those initial products that came out were maybe built on one-off uses. So it's, you know, you set your app up for your kettle, you set your app up for this, and actually you, you're never gonna be able to expand that. Whereas companies like Delzador or Lightwave, they're looking at actually, let's, let's build the good foundation first, and then from there you can expand properly into those different sectors. You know, Building your house on, uh, on sand is not gonna really uh, fit it. Yeah. And how about Lightwave? Obviously, you guys are you know, manufacturing a lot of different products you know, all throughout the house. Are you finding that there is still that balance to be struck um, with you know, simplicity, but also good, solid groundwork to build from? I think the way we describe it internally is we've kind of gone about creating this banquet and we've forgotten to teach people how to snack. So we're laying out this giant feast of food and use cases and wonderful things and actually we get running away with it and some of the wonderful texts and features and everything else going on and we forget the end user just wants one use case that works for them. So despite all of our range of products, I think we now have something like 140 different products in the market. And um, the biggest one that we find a use case for is someone wants to press the dimmer switch at their wall and it turns on their lamp on the floor. And it is genuinely a light bulb moment. You see them go, oh, oh that makes sense. So this button and that, great. And it's a physical touch point as well, you know. There's, it takes away that element of having to talk to something. So even grandma can walk into a room, she can press a light switch that has looked always like a light switch. She understands how to operate that. If the homeowner's away and the babysitter comes in, there isn't this whole awkward, you know, how do I actually just turn mm -hmm. on the bathroom light or something, you know? Um, but we, we also find a lot of people using, um, we've seen names for rooms like bat caves and fish tanks and all sorts <laughs> of other things. So there are clearly some very um, innovative people creating entire homes that, that go mm -hmm. really all out for, for it. You make a good point though, because ultimately, yes, We've got lots of products out there, but the thought should really be on solutions instead. It shouldn't be based on this product does this. There's lots still to be done on interoperability um, in ensuring the end user feels confident that they can go away and get a couple of different products and that they will all connect together. And it's hard enough, Dustor, Lightwave, explaining what our use case is and why to have our product, and then to go about trying to explain this is how we work with five other products. You know, it just it might really confuse this poor consumer who's trying to work out what goes together. And those five people work together. Those five, but not those. Um, I mean, there's the, but we don't talk about it enough. There's a couple of uh, examples of things you can do with Alexa and Philips and various different things 
that are family security that we don't mention. I only found this out through talking to other people that have integrated into new build homes. So for example, in a fire, um, a smart uh, smoke alarm would connect to Philips Hue lights and turn the lights red because it's the only light you can see through smoke and can guide you down mm. to the exit. The other thing it can, you can do is you, mothers can record their voice onto Alexa's smart home so that if there's a fire alarm, it's their voice that goes into the children's bedrooms because kids respond better and are waking up and will move to their mother's voice. But if their mother isn't there to tell them to get out of the room, then you've got that point of failure. Um, but again, it's quite a negative connotation to, to smart home. Do you think there's a fear about talking about these kind of safety? Fear or creating fear, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because no, it, no one wants to draw on that use case that is potentially saying, your house is going to burn down. <laughs> it's, it's a tiny percentage, and it's the one thing we don't want to think about. It's the same with, with water damage. I mm. think water costs something like £15 million a day in insurance, but none of us leave and shut our door in the morning wanting to think my house might have flooded by the time I go home. So it's very difficult to then say to an end user, actually, that's a £300 cost to save you that worry. And you're like, but hang on, I didn't have that worry. Why am I not worried? Should I be worrying? And panic ensues. Do you think that the smart home could be a little bit more upfront and say, do you know what? It's not just about the gimmicks. It's also about when things go wrong, your home can be responsible for, well, not responsible, but can help in looking after you and minimising that damage. Yeah. It's that ease though as well, isn't it? For example, if let's say your house gets burgled, all of a sudden you want to go and buy an alarm system, don't you, Mm. afterwards? But if you've already got, say, a couple of products that has an integration already, it's then easy to again get that next product that easily can be linked to that. Then you have a bit more of a centralised system that just makes things a lot more simple. Yeah. That's maybe another angle to come at it, to say, look, you know, it's not just about scaring the bejesus out of you about <laughs> this, that and the other. It's, it's about making the progression of your smart home maybe a little bit more straightforward uh, in the long run as well. But insurers should step in because this is where mm. it's not down to the, the brand or the, the smart home industry to play on fear of the consumer, but the consumer who's already insuring their home against water damage, against fire protection, that's where the insurance industry really could up, up their game in saying, Absolutely. hey, this is how we can save ourselves some money mm. and we can gain a customer for longer. So uh, it's difficult to speak because they're not obviously represented in this room here today, but, <laughs> and we all probably sit around the table otherwise pointing fingers in other directions at each other as who's going to take which step first. It is a big game of chess going on out there. <laughs> well, that kind of leads in really nicely to uh, a brilliant advert uh, we saw at Christmas, which mm. turned fear into fun. Um, and utilising some serious millennial nostalgia with Macaulay Culkin's Home Alone with Google. Um, it sort of showcased the smart, fun side of smart home security. So do you think that's kind of moving in the right direction, where it's an emotive story and use case and creates a lot of interest? Or do you think there's still a long way to go, that we're not really refining it down and treating the mass market as individuals? I think, you know, if you take the Macaulay's house, actually, that felt like a completely unattainable home Mm -hmm. to the average user. I mean, they had the most grand Christmas and they had the most amazing home. The best tech was in their house. And it just kind of made it still feel that step far away from the average Joe being able to just come home and have a nice warm home. It's like, it's this grand, great, fun thing going on. It's still very entertaining. But I think we're completely missing the point about what it's capable of doing beyond having a bit of fun Fun with us. I mean, we see that a lot with a lot of the advertising. Um, 
like Californianizing is what I like to call it. Sort of like looking like the OC type family houses mm. where you've got these massive houses, 2.4 kids, um, swimming pool in the back, and it has all this smart home and it looks great. But I don't see my auntie or my sister or uh, people that I know, renters, small flats. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, a, that's the problem, there's this disconnect. It doesn't address their fears either, does it, at the end of the day? And that's probably a big problem when, let's say, from the press side of things, you're getting bombarded about the problems of smart home. But, you know, it's great that it at least brings some awareness to it as a starting point. That's cracking, you know, it's that gimmicky type aspect again. But... You know, there are some serious questions behind it that we as an industry as well need to be uh, at the front to try and answer uh, you know, as, best as, as best as we can as well. Do you think there's a bit of a dichotomy there? Because sort of on one hand, we've said, you know, these use cases, they're plush homes, they're, you know, it's all very aspirational. And to a certain extent, you know, marketing, uh, it's always been aspirational. That's kind of the point. <laughs> But also, you know, we're acknowledging the fact that there is still the question of the high price point, you know, for these products. That it is, you know, to a certain extent, aspirational. It's not for everybody. And yet the industry is still trying to grapple with this idea of mass market adoption. It's coming down so quickly, though. I mean, if, if I look back two years ago, we, we brought our application out two, two and a half years ago. And before that, the option was to have in your home a, a physical screen that used to cost a thousand euros. Now, overnight, you have a gateway with an app that now costs a hundred euros. And that's what gives the ability, obviously, to address a big market overnight. Every year that goes by, products become, let's say, more, uh, more affordable to manufacture, more affordable to put into the entry-level bits of technology. And, for example, we have a higher-end system that is essentially the production line for you know, what hopefully will be the future of our smart home uh, uh, setup, at least. But I can see how quickly technology is becoming affordable. And yes, there are elements that are still astronomically expensive, but my Lord, it, it's going very quickly in that way. And maybe IKEA and Sonus, for example, that partnership, where they're going to start embedding it into furniture and, and, and approach a bigger addressable market will certainly allow Sonus to access areas they never have before, which will have an effect on price. It will bring it down. It will make it more accessible. I think there's a market for everyone and I think if we look at other tech areas where we've got laptops and phones you know there are people that will still go out and pay thousands because it's got that tiny bit more RAM or it's got that slightly better pixel screen um, so I think no matter how much technology is driven down there'll still always be a premium market available you know it's all started with footballers having their £50,000 Luke Tron Crestron kind of systems and entire servers in their home and that market still exists even though there's plug and play devices for £30 out there I think it's a status thing anyway if people yeah. want to throw money at it they can um, Lightwave's an unashamedly premium brand that sits really nicely as a sandwich between those two it's kind of like we, we welcome those people that want to try a plug and play because it's that gateway to actually how could this be more integrated and also we welcome the people that go out and spend the Lutron kind of money because they're likely to be enticed down in price so I think people will find their place in the market I think there's still a lot of brands that are trying to come into it it's a very crowded space but I think the longevity of it there will be your good better and best kind of level of, of opportunity out there. In the end the brand that is going to sort of make it you know to the top even if it doesn't exist yet is the brand that stands for security and privacy now if you're able to charge a premium 
for that. Um, you know, does it does it then begin, like obviously you said light waves sit quite happily in the middle. You know, do you think that it's going to start polarising the market between essentially mass market affordable, but probably not as safe and also people paying for that additional security and privacy? Absolutely. I think that the need to feel comfortable and confident about where your data is going, knowing what what that can be done with that and giving you the power and the control um, and feeling encrypted and all those really important things. I and mean, it's, it's like going out and buying, you know, a really cheap Android phone and not putting security on it and downloading all your bank apps. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but it's, people do it, you know, it's I'm absolutely, it's, it's well, and it tends not to be until someone's had a bad experience that they realise where they went wrong in that journey. Otherwise, they think they're doing great. They've saved themselves loads of money. So um, as much as it's damaging to the market to have cheap entry products go wrong and hack cases it also drives up that need for a more premium secure model it's crazy how much investment goes into just that one point you know when you're talking about all of these innovative products that you want to be bringing out actually you need to have the foundation right before you can even think about driving those onto the market because you're right they do turn to let's say those uh, those companies that will be advertising more on the basis of security and it's a very important point because a lot of Wi-Fi based products or products that maybe don't have quite as much encryption going into their RF communication um, have much easier ability to, to export out and you know, that's useful for a lot of companies. You know, Google will love their data, you know, that's what they build their whole uh, business on, you know, yeah. the product is there to essentially harvest data. But I think when you approach it from a, a smart home uh, ecosystem point of view then actually security plays a big part and to have the ability to give the end user protection of their data is very very important it's really interesting looking at um again back to ces you know apple their only presence at the whole thing was that one billboard on the side of a building that said you know what happens on your iphone stays on your iphone yeah. um now obviously you've got amazon and google there and you know like you say the, the whole companies are based on selling data you know it's the most precious commodity far above oil or saffron or anything else or steel <laughs> you know it's it's the most precious commodity you know see apple almost re-establishing itself but almost they they are basing their business model off of having you know not selling your data they also have higher encryption as well so when you let's say apply for if that's the right word when you apply for google and, and amazon it's actually quite easy to get onto those platforms when we're building stuff for HomeKit, it's uh, a pain in the backside because you have to go to certain uh, further levels. So, yes, they're not as far along, and it will be the case, I'm sure, that as more and more people become stung by certain types of products linked to Amazon and, and Google, that actually people will turn to the likes of HomeKit because the encryption is much higher, because the standards are much higher. And, it's always been the argument, you know, when you're, if you're buying a Mac, you know, do you buy a Mac or a normal, normal computer? Really interesting then. So we've obviously discussed so many different aspects of the smart home, be it lighting, security, um, obviously healthcare we've not really touched on, but is, you know, definitely establishing itself as a big um, part of the industry in the future. What do you think the strongest category is? Going forwards, you know, not just now, but looking over the next five, 10 years, what do you think is going to progress the furthest what do you think has maybe reached its peak 
I actually think that voice will, will kind of lose its boom after, I don't know when, I, I expect it's going to continue on a phenomenal trajectory that it's on right now, but actually I think people are going to go quite tiresome of their experience with voice, and I'm lucky that I have a well-defined voice, and I can, my smart speaker understands me 50% of the time, <laughs> but I can only imagine for my Scottish cousins that they're, they're yelling at it most of the time and getting, getting a terrible experience. I think things like gesture and touch are going to become far more familiar to us again, because it's less invasive you don't have to interrupt your conversation suddenly ask your home to do something you can just seamlessly gesture at it or knock a button on the side and you your house automates itself i think those things will become more stable once voice has finished its kind of like awareness campaign for the market um security is by far the biggest uh, at the moment and lighting comes a close second and that's because it's something we use hourly, daily. We're, we're up and down all the time switching lights on and off. You create a whole mood with lights. You create a room with lights. It, it creates a scene. Um, uh, so I, I think lighting will continue to grow in strength. I think security may be beginning to hit its peak. Yeah, it's, an, um, it's interesting. I think that you're right about smart speakers and gesture and touch being the, the next step in that. But uh, I hope uh, at least when we look at what the major areas for us today would be, uh, security again is huge for, for us. I mean, that's, the, that's one of the biggest areas. When you look at smart offers on the marketplace and you've got offers like Hive, you know, ultimately because they're so linked with British Gas, they're able to put an installer right at the forefront and it's, it's very difficult to compete with that. So, you know, they're doing a great job in that sector. And if we look forward, I really hope healthcare comes to the front. I really do. I think it's a long way off because there's a lot of struggles, let's say, in terms of uh, regulation in that sector. That can be uh, uh, something that you know, can, can limit the expansion, I would say. But, you know, I think that a lot of companies are willing to, to participate in that area to help develop some good technology. Um, I really hope energy transition as well uh, plays a big part because ultimately we've got lots of energy sources within the home, but no real good way to bring them all together into one you know, seamless action. You've got electric vehicles coming out, you've got solar panels scattered across bungalows up and down the country you know if you can bring all of these type of you know new technologies that came in sort of five ten years ago into one you know really seamless centralized platform then then actually you've got you know the ability to really add value as well and i guess that sort of leads into one of our, our last question is is this the new frontier for smart home can smart home start to tackle the bigger causes um uh, helping keeping the elderly in their homes for longer, um, helping us recycle more and being more green. I mean, is that where it could take itself into the future? I mean, smart home used to be the plaything of startups, really, didn't it, at the beginning? But it's becoming the case now where um, big players are coming in to support these actions. I mean, that's a real sign of investment going into that area for the future. Um, you know, partnerships between big players as well, you know, within their sectors can help those things drive forward at the same time. So I do think that it's, it's on the horizon, it is there, and you'll get much more interoperability at that point, you'll get much more sharing, so that it's easier for people to actually enter that market as well. I think it's, it's one of those markets that absolutely encourage cheaper tech being available to, because it's where the use cases are best put in action and I think the elderly and the frail will absolutely benefit more than perhaps 
the young 20-year-old in their first home playing around with their Spotify. Um, <laughs> but sadly, I think it's, it's the area that is least invested in. It's not something that we, we, look, we don't look after health care in this, in this country as well mm. as we should. Mm. I would love to see Smart Home at the forefront of that sort of change, changing innovation and making it really accessible and our growing elderly population can stay at home and not be invasively monitored but you know it can be tracked and we can predict their health movements it's going to be really exciting i think what comes from that yeah one last question to end with one sentence 2019 what are you most excited for That's a great question. I'm really excited about just kind of finding that happy medium in the house where like everything's connected and honestly it really does come back down to that network thing. If I can get working Wi-Fi, I would be delighted. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, Withings are back as well. From my point of view, it's good to see them back into the uh, the smart home sphere as well. All their connected health tech is really, really good. So I'm excited to see what they'll bring out next. I I think I, I I'm looking forward to the health products really getting in the market. Um, I'm ashamed to admit I've programmed a mode on my uh, Alexa where I say Namaste and it sets my room ready for yoga, so I can do my nice. yoga with Adrienne. It it says Namaste back and the lights go purple. Adrienne's good. I She's good. She's very good. See, I have a thing where I say Alexa, it's time for a drink, and it <laughs> it turns on a bit of soft jazz and it turns a couple of my lights red and it's all very. So that's we have very different use cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just. Beyond having a marketing agency in the industry specialising in smart tech, obviously, I'm most excited. I mean, of course. And in terms of the products, I'm really excited to see how the promise of 5G develops. Mm. Um, I think that it is going to open a huge amount of doors for things that we can't really imagine yet in terms of not just in terms of the speed of our data, you know, mobile connections, but what we can do with that level of connectivity i think that is going to open a door of endless possibilities Hmm. or i could be completely wrong we'll see